Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Emotional Food Freedom, Mind, Body, Belly. I am Carrie Ross. I'm an Australian clinical nutritionist who specializes in bariatric or weight loss surgery nutrition. I am an NLP master practitioner, food behavior counselor, hypnotherapist, timeline therapist from the Mind, Body, Belly Academy and Biome Integrative Nutrition. And I will be speaking candidly with you about emotional and disordered eating practices, uh, bariatric surgery nutrition, uh, the the journey of weight loss surgery from pre-op to post-op, and self-empowerment because I, I am passionate about helping women live to their best potentials and break free of that struggle between food and their goals so what about today's episode today's episode is a about authenticity and telling your story and aligning with your story and to do that I'd like to share with you a little bit about my journey and my story along the bariatric path <laughs> and you know what I thought about oh what what is it that I could share with my listeners what what is it that I could share with my group what is it that I could share with you that would, I guess, paint a picture of that authenticity and and getting to where I wanted to go. And one particular story popped to mind, and it's not like it's not a very exciting one. And I'm going to pre-frame it by saying it's not a very exciting story, but it's one that's got a huge impact and a huge message about authenticity. And um, it's it's about flying. It's about being on an airplane. And you know, I thought. You know, in the beginning, I thought, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? And I, I, I jot down notes, you know, to, to keep my mind on track. And I started jotting down notes and I jotted down airplane. And one experience stands out particularly, you know, because I'm, I'm when I think about airplanes, I'm reminded about how much I don't particularly like flying. And one particular experience stands out to me the most. Um, and I, I want to share that story with you if you've got some time. So I had the brilliant idea many, many moons ago uh, to to try and seek my happiness and uh, try and seek a resolution for the pain that I felt internally in another country. (laughs) I was Essentially, I was running away, flying away if it were, as you were. So, and and look, let's let's just say quietly that it didn't work. Um, It wasn't there in the other country, but that's a story for another time. The particulars of that are about something else. But, you know, when I thought about it, I was reminded of flying with my partner at the time and it was a brutal 20-hour flight to England and I was only 114 kilos at that stage. Uh, And I say only because I still had another 20 kilos to go before I reached my heaviest. And I sat on that plane and I was uncomfortable. And if you've been on a jumbo jet, you'll you'll know that it's it's fairly roomy in comparison to you know your standard uh, domestic flights. You know, it's it, you've got a little bit more leg room and the seats are a little bit bigger. And the the rows there's, there's three rows of seats, uh, three three seats near the the window, and then a row of seats of five in the middle and another set of three on the other side and. We were sat uh, over by the window and it was me at the window and then my husband at the time and then a third seat. And, you know, me and my husband, you know, being quite quite large ourselves, we were kind of spilling over into the seats and, you know, knees were touching and we were kind of 
uh, jostling to try and try and get you know comfortable but you know we were kind of encroaching on each other's space um the, the whole time and you know it was it was uncomfortable 20 hours of sitting like that 20 hours of constant touching I mean you think that you, that's all right with your partner but after 20 hours of just constantly being attached to someone you feel sweaty uncomfortable shoulder to top shoulder spilling into each other's chairs and I struggled I shifted from side to side cheek to cheek trying to relieve the pressure in my hips trying to stretch my legs out because they were aching as well my ankles were so swollen from the pressure that I couldn't zip my boots up um so you know because I would take my boots off when I was on the plane and I couldn't actually zip my boots up you know so again I use the word I was uncomfortable and with all of that shifting and jostling and being uncomfortable, I hadn't noticed that who was sitting in the third seat. And when I actually did notice, I looked over and I saw this girl. She was a woman. She was in her 20s. But she was a little thing, you know, a little thing. And kind of like a, a, a gymnast, she had herself all coiled up on her chair, her knees up to her chest, and she was sleeping quite soundly. And she did that for the majority of the flight sitting sideways, sleeping peacefully, looking very comfortable. And I thought to myself, I remember thinking this, I just want that. That, what is that? I want to be travel-sized and convenient. <laughs> travel-sized and convenient. <laughs> I want to be normal and to fit. And... I guess at the time my dream was to be small rather than what I had experienced for so long, which was this uncomfortable feeling of not fitting in, of not measuring up, of being inconvenient and extra. At 114 kilos and then again at 131, 132, I was always inconvenient. But the ironic part of all of this was that I always had to be extra to compete. I had to be extra to succeed. I had to be more. I had to be more intelligent, more competent, more flexible, more compromising, more giving, more forgiving, more polite. I had to be funny. I had to be more creative. I had to add value to who I was because my weight was diminishing who I was. I was larger than life physically, but it made me a small person mentally, right? I had to make up for the crime of being obese. Because when I didn't, well, my value, my capability, my worth, my relevance, was all in question. It was all in question. I had to put in 200% to get a 25% return, or so my limiting beliefs led me to believe. But that's how I felt. I felt like I had to put in twice as much to get a quarter of the results or the reward that everybody else did. Like I said, that's what my limiting beliefs 
beliefs allowed me to believe at the time. And I remember at times I wish I were normal. Normal, what is that, right? I could. I wish I could just fit in, that people saw my value, not just my body, um, you know, the body that kind of wore this pain, this illness, shame, guilt, sadness, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, helplessness, loneliness, and contempt. Contempt for judgment I both experienced and avoided. The judgment of being denied, the resentment of being denied, the contempt I felt for being denied jobs because of my size, being declined or rejected on dates because of my size, having strangers yell offensive cruelties out of car windows for me on days which I felt like I was my best. There was contempt. There was resentment. There was shame. Shame of needing to eat less and move more. Doctors just telling me, eat less, move more, eat less, move more. This repetitive train of bullshit. <laughs> eat less, move more, eat less, move more. Yeah, but what about all that other stuff? The depression, the sadness, the anxiety, the guilt, the resent, the contempt, the judgment, the shame. What about all of that? But I ate less and I moved more. And I ate less and I moved more and I ate less and I moved more and I was on Easy Slim and Jenny Craig and Gloria Marshall and Keto and Weight Watchers and Tony Ferguson and Octi Fast and Raw Vegan uh, and Michelle Bridges and The Biggest Loser and, oh, my God, I even uh, I considered applying for The Biggest Loser at one stage. Um, and I thought, well, God, what else? What else can I try? What else is there? And I ate less and I moved more and I ate less and I moved more and I ate less and I moved more and I failed. You know those TV dramas where the main character gets left the torture of of having to decide where somebody's inheritance goes or they get left the fortune of a long-lost unacquainted benefactor right those, those teledramas I used to daydream that was for me you know that I would be all of a sudden like, like those uh the chain letter emails that you get from the, the Nigerian prince that has $10 million that he wants to bequeath to you because he has no family. But I, I used to dream that that was what I was going up for. I would get a, I would get a letter in the mail one day from some strange or a knock on the door for, from a solicitor saying, you have been left a fortune by a long lost, you know, uncle or aunt who's taken a shine to you. <laughs> And then I could afford to go to fat camp. I could afford to go to fat camp. That was my dream. I had a dream to be small. I tried everything. Hell, I even enrolled in nutritional and dietetic medicine. I enrolled in a, in a degree 
to try and answer the questions for myself because all I was getting from doctors, from specialists, was eat less and move more. I wanted to answer the question of how to lose weight successfully. Why all these dietary and physical fitness interventions and measures had failed and why they wouldn't work for me. And every book, every avenue I turned, I came up empty. I came up empty every time. I felt empty on the inside. I felt so small on the inside, but I was so big on the outside. Mm -hmm. And about halfway through my nutrition degree, limiting beliefs became very apparent, very apparent. They came to the surface. Who is going to take you seriously at this size? They say never trust a skinny chef. What about an obese clinical nutritionist? No one's going to listen to you. Look at you. You don't model the picture of health. So why should people take your advice? You don't look like you know what you're talking about. And that was that was pretty difficult. That was difficult to to navigate. And, and then and then you know from there I had my first child and my weight was the highest the highest it had ever been in the 130s. And my self-esteem and my self-worth were at their lowest, the lowest they'd ever been. And I'd run out of options. I'd run out of options. So I explored bariatric surgery. You know, this was my last chance. I had unexplained pain. My digestion wasn't working properly. I was constantly miserable. This was my last chance. And in early 2017, I underwent a gastric bypass. Leading up to the surgery, that was interesting. I, I made some, some goals. I set some, I guess, they're similar goals to the ones that I had in the beginning. But, you know, I set myself some goals. First one was to fit into an aeroplane seat. Then to be small, to be comfortable and unimposing, to fit in, to not take up space. And I set to work. I created a program and lost the weight. I, I did the work. I, I reached a very healthy unimposing weight by my 18 months post-op but something something was not adding up I'd shed my problem I'd shed the reason for my shame my anxiety my depression my sadness my loneliness or so I thought but I was still unhappy those, all those feelings were still there. They were still on the inside, filling up that little small space inside me. They were sitting on a chair in here, in my, in, in my chest, with their knees up to their chest, curled up like a gymnast, sleeping peacefully. All those uncomfortable feelings were sleeping peacefully inside me. 
and then I woke them up and sometimes they seemed louder than before. And it wasn't about what I was eating. Something was eating me. It was eating me from the outside. And now I wasn't able to quieten it with food. And I could feel it growing now, that little small insignificant thing on the inside that had always been shadowed by my outside was now growing. And along with the familiar feelings of the need to self-soothe with food, self-soothe with neglect of myself, of course, you know, neglect of self-care and due to my own imposed overwhelm, I began to forget myself. And these feelings were very familiar. It felt the same as every time a diet began to fail. Same same feelings every time I tried something new, the OptiFast, the SlimFast, the Tony Ferguson, everything, you know, it was went great for a little bit and I was pumped along and I was motivated. But then it began to fail and I got those same feelings of shame and failure. It was the same feeling of a failed relationship. It felt like something unresolved or unexplored. There'd always been something in me that I had been feeding. But it wasn't until after I got rid of the assumed reason I began to see, for, see it for what it actually was, right? It was a disconnect from my, my own authenticity. It was a disconnect from myself, from my self-love, from my self-validation and my worth. It was a disconnect. It was this empty hole that I was trying to fill with anything but what it needed. It was the unchallenged potential of myself. It was self-doubt and limiting beliefs bubbling up to the surface. It was avoided and missed opportunities. It was a longing for joy and purpose. And I guess I noticed when I started, you know, feeling a little bit more confident in my mental capability and my skill set that I'd earned in my nutrition and dietetic degree, that when I started working with clients, I started noticing this same thing within my client base. Every client I saw had a hole to fill, a feeling or a belief that drove them and created disconnect. So I did what I do best. I learned and I listened. And I took my nutrition degree and I put it on the shelf for a bit and I did the work on self. I learned counselling, psychotherapy, specialised communication devices such as neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy. And I listened to my clients who were so tired of being treated like fat people and started 
smashing down my own personal limitations, my own personal walls, my limiting beliefs, and letting go of negative emotions within me. And in doing so, I discovered a few key things. It wasn't about what I am eating. It's not about what you're eating. It's about what's eating you. Your physical health is a result of how you feel. Your body is a physical representation of the dissatisfaction of that disconnect. That too. That if the mindset is not aligned, if it's fueled by limiting beliefs, there is no diet in the world that will help keep it successful long term. And three, that bariatric surgery is very effective as a tool that is a catalyst for deeper or, or, or I guess, a catalyst for an opportunity for deeper transformation rather than just weight loss. It is an open door to reach your goal. But doors do close. And I, and I guess on top of that, I, I realised that my obesity was keeping me small and I didn't want to be small. It made me think small and dream small. My weight was carried as a reflection of deep issues that I had, of that disconnect in me, of myself, and surgery gave me the opportunity to shed those layers and discover the truth about me, my authentic self, that without the right mindset that my success would be small, my success would be short-lived. And it was in addressing these truths and in building a mindset of success that I finally allowed myself to dream big. And I guess before I, I will finish my, my story here, I want to share some of these big dreams with you that I allowed myself to have after I did the work and as I did the work. So I have my journal here uh, from September 2020. And I wrote in my journal a list of dreams, which I'm going to share some of them. So number one, to, to build a successful practice, practice that supports clients to find freedom around food, but not only to find themselves, but to find the joy in experience of living. That was my first one. And I have successfully run my clinic now for almost seven years doing that very thing. Doing that very thing. And, you know, I, I, I see the progress on people that I work with on, on a daily basis. I have clients that have been with me, uh, you know, they've got their success and they're maintaining it, but they still stay connected. And it's it's a fabulous experience to share that journey with people. My second one was to create an effective program that sets the foundation of change for people to break free of emotion-based eating, build healthy food relationships and find 
their bariatric success. And to date, I now run three. <laughs> so that's it. And this one, I want to thank you all for um, for playing your part and, and helping me achieve in the in the last, you know, half a decade. To be able to, you know, be in front of a demographic of my peers, be in front of a population of my peers and share my story to inspire, motivate and connect and transform. This I thank you for. I decided I would never dream small again. And it's always an honour to connect with you. And I want to leave you with one final comment for the day for this episode is that I want you to dream big. Don't allow your weight to ever make you feel small. Because the weight of these emotions that I felt kept me on the problem side of the equation for so long. So I never truly allowed myself to imagine a different possibility. I never allowed myself to dream big, to dream of success. And now I have it. I'm not letting it go. So what are you going to do? Are you a person that wants to take action or are you a person that's going to take action? Reach out. Send me a message. Send me an email. And let's link up and let's do the work. So I'm here for it. Let's dream big. <laughs>